Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Discover North Korea. I am your host, Zoe, from Zoe Discovers, and today I'm joined by one of my colleagues and best friends, Greg. If you don't know Greg, he's the North Korea tour manager at Koryo Tours, the oldest and best company working in North Korea tourism. And whilst Greg certainly isn't the oldest, he's probably definitely the best in managing those tours and making them run as smoothly as possible. During the pandemic, Greg has been all over the world, from South Korea to Iceland, Hong Kong to Hungary, and it's been hard to pin him down or indeed know where he is. But pin him down I did, which is super lucky for you guys because as well as being an expert tour manager, Greg is also an expert in all things transportation. As an aviation fanatic, Greg is constantly telling me about the different plane models he's flown in and the only souvenir he asked me to get him from Fiji was the slippers from the long haul flight there. Unfortunately, time kept us apart for much longer than we originally thought, and I kept those slippers for a year in Tonga before I finally opened them and wore them myself. Sorry about that, Greg. Originally, we had planned a whole episode on transportation, but we got stuck on air choreo for pretty much the whole time, so I'll just have to get Greg back on the podcast again for another one. Before we start, I want to say a massive thank you to Greg for agreeing to come on the show, and hopefully you'll be back for much more very soon. So take your seats, buckle in, and prepare for some turbulent discussion on Air Corio, North Korea's national airline. So hello, Greg. How are you doing? It's Hi, Zoe. Not... <laughs> it's not been too long since we last spoke. Um, we were last together virtually doing, um, I think, probably a few episodes back with Nick and Simon um, on uh, on things that we miss, miss about North Korea. But... Um, this time it's going to be a bit more exciting, maybe for you, because you're a big transport fanatic. I am, yes. <laughs> I knew I got the I right person. I consider myself as an aviation geek, actually. Aviation geek. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But definitely. also, I, 
like you know riding trains in china made me a uh, train geek as well because the chinese railway system is so good actually it's surpassing surpassing on time it's clean it's comfortable like my best sleeps are on the train actually <laughs> Uh, and uh, I just came back from India, actually, where I uh, took uh, an overnight train. And you can, I can, you can, I, you can sleep quite well on an Indian train as well. But really? uh, the infrastructure, yes, like I did a sleeper train as well. But the infrastructure is just so much worse than in China. Mm. So I know it's not about uh, China versus India. But uh, you can see how uh, China invests its uh, accumulated wealth in improving infrastructure, as opposed to India, where it's more like just they're creating great communities and like a bubble for those who are part of this uh, economic development in India. But then the rest of the population and the infrastructure doesn't get any attention. Yeah, that's definitely something that I felt like after living in Beijing for so long and then visiting India, like it's something that really is quite in your face. Um, again, not like doing China versus India, but there are like massive notable noticeable differences. And I think like the biggest one <laughs> is arguably in the infrastructure. And like, I love Chinese trains. I have to agree with you, Greg. Like, honestly, whenever we take the train to North Korea or like, it, just any train in China. I love the overnight trains. Um, I think they're amazing. I've taken like the really cheap ones, like the, just the standard normal trains that like, you know, are like six beds per little area. And then I've also taken mm. overnight one of the really posh ones. I think it was Kunming to Beijing. And I don't know if you've taken one of these really posh ones before, but it's like mm. the high speed overnight train. <laughs> so... Like it's high speed and really fast, um, but also really posh at the same time, like one of the newer trains. Um, and you get this whole like, it's like staying in a hostel. Like the train, there's only about, I swear, like 20 people per carriage. And you get like your own little area with a curtain and like your little, your bed has like a little desk next to it. Like it's mm. really fancy. I don't know. You probably know which train I'm talking about, but. Yeah, I, I haven't taken it as an overnight train. So I took it from Nanjing to uh, Chengdu. Mm. And uh, since it was uh, during the day, it was just a regular sitting train uh, with uh, uh, compartments. Um, but you could see yeah, that it was like a TV monitor at the head of all the, which are supposed to be bed during the night and, <laughs> and, and so on, yes. Yeah. But also the, the first time I was traveling in China, uh, actually it is the same time as when I was traveling from Nanjing to uh, Chengdu, uh, we were a bit late uh, for booking train tickets. So we mm -hmm. ended up traveling all over China, mostly on hard seat trains overnight. Oh no. <laughs> so like every second night I spent on a train sitting for like, eight plus hours oh my sleep. and just just for listeners of those who don't know who those who haven't taken a Chinese train before there's basically like I mean again Greg probably knows better um, the different types of trains so I won't speak about that but in terms of like the ticketing system there is um there are various tickets you can buy and the I suppose the nicest one um, which you want for an 
you know, a ride that's probably like longer than six or seven hours um, is a bed where it's it's actually a physically bed. So we call this soft sleeper. Um, and this is for like the overnight trains. And then you have hard sleeper. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. And then a bed, which is soft sleeper, is only four to one little room. And you do get like a little enclosed room. And then the hard sleeper, which is like the standard um, for like overnight trains. I mean, unless you really want a soft sleeper, a hard sleeper is fine. Um, but you are in a carriage of about uh, I can't do maths, but it must be about 60 people per carriage if you have six in each little area. And then there are mm. about five little areas. Um, so maybe just under 60. No, there, I think 40. there's more than 10. Oh, there's more than 10. That that would make it 60. Yeah, Yeah, which sounds terrifying, um, sharing a cabin and trying to sleep in it like a a cabin with 60 people. But it's actually not that bad. And everyone seems to be pretty respectful. Obviously, uh, you can't help the big snorers. Um, but the lights do go off and then I think people, people tend to be quite good about it. And then as Greg was saying, there is the hard, um, there is the seats, which basically, um, is a whole different area to the train. Um, and you just get a seat. Um, and then there is one worse category, which is the standing category. And I have been on, so we had a bit of a mess up. Actually, it wasn't with Courier Tours. It was with my previous tour company. We had a bit of a mess up where we didn't buy a customer's, we were one ticket short to go to North Korea. Um and usually there would probably be seats left, but this was a nas- national holiday. I can't remember which national holiday it was. Um, and so as the tour guide, um, we like there was two tour guides, like two Western tour guides um, on the same trip. So, um, you know, we had to kind of forfeit our own seat uh, or our own bed to give it to one of the customers. Now, the only thing that was left was just standing and it was kind of awful, but it gave me a really interesting insight to how this bit works, because it's actually very interesting. And as you said at the start, Greg, like how Chinese trains work functions so well. So basically, like, and this is really useful for anyone traveling on the trains in China. Like if you cannot get a ticket before you get on the train, there is obviously people who don't end up getting the train, right? They've bought a ticket and they don't end up getting the train. And on the train, you are checked in. It's kind of like, I I think getting a train in China is kind of like um, getting a flight at the airport. Like you have to have your passport with you. You have to be checked in. Like this is security, stuff like that. Um, And so when you get on the train, you're then checked in. And so it takes about 20 minutes for them to check everyone. And during this time, if you are a standing passenger and you want to be upgraded, or if you're a seated passenger and you want to be upgraded, you can tell the train manager, they put your name on a list and then you go onto like a waiting list for all of the people who um, didn't get on the train. And now if you're lucky, when you get on at Beijing or wherever, there's already like a few people who didn't get on. So you can just change right over, you know, within half an hour. If you're unlucky, you might have to wait like three or four hours um, for the next few stops before it reaches your name. Um, or won't upgrade it at all. Yeah, or don't upgrade at all. That is so. I, I, and it's chaotic. It was horrible at that time, you know, like it's just that, like, there were pretty much like at least 50 or 60 standing people who wanted to get upgrades. They were, we were all crammed in, literally just standing on the train, waiting for someone to shout out our name from the waiting list. But yeah, that's a little hack that I suppose not many people might know, um, in China. So 
Um, but yeah, I do love the China trains. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the like heart sitter and the sleeping part of the train is a whole different world. Yes. But I always say that as long as you haven't been on a heart seat train in China, you've never been in China. <laughs> Very it, true. It, 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 it does give you uh, an insight what you wouldn't experience anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It's very true. And I think like, um, even though the train tickets are fairly cheap and like actually really cheap compared to European trains and cheap for what they are, like a lot of people in China can't afford those those higher, like the soft sleeper and hard sleeper tickets. Well, that's one thing, but also the uh, like uh, quite often you can see uh, pretty well of people traveling on hard seat. And it just it's just because they didn't buy the tickets on time. Right. And they didn't have the chance to, you know, there were no uh, no beds left. Mm. Um, so it's not it's not always uh, so the difference between the passengers of the seater and the sleeper is not necessarily a difference in social status. It's just a difference in quick reaction or <laughs> or or or, or uh, you know planning ahead. Yes, true. What Chinese people are not that good about. <laughs> like uh, when I was employed by a Chinese uh, school and I had my uh, uh, bosses being Chinese, like uh, further notice is something which is not, which does not exist. Like uh, I think the most extreme situation was when I was called around 11 p.m. that, okay, you have to be at school next morning at seven and prepare your class for a performance because some party officials are coming to uh, see how our school is doing, like mm -hmm. 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, okay, like, first of all, you don't call me at 11 p.m. <laughs> like, oh, how am I supposed to prepare my stuff for a performance or my class for a performance in like three hours? But okay, we, we managed to come up with something, but still, yeah. yeah. Uh, further notice is, is, and like planning ahead, it's not the strengths of uh, Chinese people. That's my uh, experience, at least. Yeah, fair enough. And I think what you said about like them being two different worlds is totally true, because not only can you physically not access the soft and hard sleeper area, um, when you have a, a like chair ticket, just a seated ticket, you can't access those areas. So not only that, but also everything that, that Greg was saying as well, that you were saying as well. Although if, if the rest, because usually it's, uh, so the, the restaurant car is in between mm. the sleeper carriages and the uh, seating carriages. Yeah. So, and uh, I could like go into the seating compartments as a You can sneak through. Because... Yeah, but sometimes they get you. Sometimes they are mm. genuinely like you are not allowed to go through to the rest and um, to this like through this area. Um, I mean, they've done that on the North Korean train as well. Like, um, is is the, does the restaurant cart separate the Koreans and the well? What does the restaurant cart separate yes. from the Korean one? I think they do. Yes, because I definitely remember being not told to go one way, but maybe that was just one instance. Uh, it's been it, so long it, now. Yeah, but as as always in North Korea, a lot of things are negotiable. Yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> uh, you can just like okay, but like my friends are there, and like oh okay, 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 just and and then they're just going to make sure that you are being in your right place just before you read Sinuju. 
Yes, I yeah, just as you said that, I realized what it was. It's the fact that if you get off the train internally, then you like, for example, if you are going to Beijing or going to China from Pyongyang, if you are getting off in Sinuiju, you are put in the different area because that's like the area for the people who get off internally, like domestically. And then the other areas for the people who are going all the way to China, right? No, it's, it's more complex because uh, uh, then you also have the train which also only goes to uh, Dandong, which is again a oh, separate yeah. uh, one from the one which goes all the way to Beijing. It's very complicated. So, so yeah, yeah. So, but you know, the 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 thing is that as long as you are at in, at your right place when the train arrives in Sinuju, they will, you know, overlook the fact that you crossed into uh, a different territory than yours. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, that's, like, that's what is uh, so absurd about uh, the DPRK that, uh, yeah, there are certain rules which are like ridiculous from Westerner and like, yeah. I don't have to talk about that because everyone knows it from <laughs> the news and stuff. And then there are things which would never be possible in other countries. And they just like, yeah, of course, why not? Uh, to give you an example, uh, 2019 uh, April, uh, Kim Il-sung's birthday, uh, we had quite a successful uh, tour, i.e. we had like, whew, I don't know, I can't remember how many groups but we had to accommodate at least 80 people on the flight. Wow. And uh, even, and usually we send our uh, estimated numbers to Air Corio uh, at the beginning of the year, and we kind of update it and stuff. So when we sent the actual bookings, they said that no, there is no more seats on the flight uh, because it's all taken by, uh, like official delegations going. I remember this. This was a very yeah, stressful time. <laughs> that's when you were flying at China, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you remember it so well. <laughs> because I, I had to, I had to take care of this mess. Oh yeah, I, I was in North Korea at the time, right? And I was trying to, was I in North Korea? And I was trying to figure this out with the part with our partners in North Korea and. Uh, Probably before that, I, I'm not sure, but yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so basically, we could only get ten tickets for the flight on Saturday, and then seven. I think it was like twenty tickets for Air China on Friday, and the remaining fifty tickets on the Friday flight for Air Korea. However, the problem was that it that a lot of people had to go into the country a, a, a day before. And most mm -hmm. of the customers arrived, luckily, on Thursday or a couple of days before, but there were quite a few who arrived on Friday when the Friday flight was. So we raised it with our choreo, but okay, so we can, you know, uh, put this many people on the flight on Friday. However, there are quite a few people who wouldn't make it because they're just arriving in China on Friday. However, they were all arriving in the morning because in the afternoon they should have been at the Air Korea office for the briefing. And we figured out that, okay, if 
somehow Air Korea could delay the flight, which they definitely capable of doing because once I was delayed for like three hours waiting for uh, Japanese Koreans arriving to Beijing, oh, taking really? the flight to, to Pyongyang. And uh, when we arrived to Pyongyang, I saw their luggage tag and the flight they were taking, so the Japanese Airlines flight they, taking, they were taking from Tokyo to Beijing was scheduled to land in Beijing an hour after the Air Korea flight was scheduled to depart. So I knew that, you know, Air Korea can do this kind of thing. So I ah. said, okay, so why don't you just delay the flight so that everyone who is arriving on Friday morning can make it? And they did make it happen. They did? They did. So they delayed the flight for two hours. Wow, I feel like you have such power here. <laughs> it, 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 it's not me, it's, it's Air Korea, it's, it's, sorry, mm. it's Korea too, it's not me personally. Mm. <laughs> and I think uh, our uh, partners at uh, KITC are also mm. very good in, you know, uh, dealing with Air Korea. Mm. So it did happen. Uh, but also once I had a customer who was flying in from Hong Kong and her flight was delayed and he had a very short gap between her flight from Hong Kong and our flight to Pyongyang. Uh. So <laughs> I was talking to the station manager of her courier in Beijing. Okay, so I have this customer. She just landed in Beijing. Can we wait for her? Uh, here is her DPRK visa. So I gave the DPRK visa to the station manager at check-in. Oh, wow. they, issued, they issued a boarding pass to her based on the boarding pass and the copy of her passport. You know, I was managed to get from our database. And then they did wait uh, for her to catch the flight. Wow, that's amazing, actually. And also, like they, 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 so they were waiting for her at the check-in desk, and then they expedited her process through immigration and security. And they, and they were running together with the airport representative to the <laughs> gate. And I was at the gate. I was like. I was. I didn't board the flight. I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Your colleague is coming with a customer, so that's, don't go yet. That's fantastic. I feel like, um, yeah, maybe Air Corio is not one of the world's worst airlines in the world after all. It is definitely more flexible. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was gonna. I mean, that is probably one of the biggest questions that a lot of people want to know. Here is, you know, is Air Corio really that bad? Firstly, before we get onto that, though. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about, because I'm sure people are wondering, you know, how how do you, um, I mean, firstly, I want to let people know that there are pretty much two ways to get into North Korea. There's either the train or the plane. And I mean, you know, technically you can also kind of drive over the border in Razan, but those are the two main ways um, mm. that people get into North Korea. Um, and the and North Korea obviously has their own um uh, what do you call it? Their own company, <laughs> air travel airline. Airline, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> See, this is why you're the expert. Um, North Korea have their own airline called Air Corio, and they are very um famous for being the world's worst airline. But I think um there's a there's a lot of reasons why it gets that status, um, and a lot of reasons why it doesn't get that status. And um, we will talk about that. But firstly, a lot of people might be wondering. 
you know, can you just head on to Skyscanner or like Google Flights and purchase a ticket and a, an air choreo ticket? Or how do you go about buying a flight to North Korea? No, you can't go directly through the airline or under any, any other agencies. Um, although uh, I think it's, it appears on Amadeus uh, engine, search engines, uh, which sometimes causes us trouble because the information uploaded there is not representing reality and sometimes uh you know there are some customers you know who uh to quote someone like to take their face into their own hands and mm -hmm. uh, you know they double check everything uh and then they come back to me that okay but you know on on Amadeus it shows a different departure date and departure time and so on it also still says that they still have available spaces and stuff like that but that's just there i don't know why mm -hmm. uh no you can only uh, purchase tickets through uh well air choreo uh, but we don't really deal with air choreo directly um we deal with uh, a local partner, KITC. Mm -hmm. And also actually our company, uh, Choreo Tours, is uh, sometimes helping uh, other entities who are not our tourists to secure uh, a flight ticket to uh, Pyongyang. So we do it with uh, K through KITC. Um, mm -hmm. However, there are Air Korea offices in Beijing, Shenyang, probably in Hong Kong as well. I, I, actually, I could go and check today. Oh, uh, yeah, you're I'm in Hong Kong. Kong. I'm, I'm in Hong Kong right now. Um, but there are like uh, air quality offices in quite a few cities overseas. Um, so I'm sure you could go in as long as you have the proper documentation. But, you know, they won't issue a ticket for you just when you say, OK, I want to go to Pyongyang. You have to, you know, you, you have to prove that you have a sponsor. And that's the, the, the main thing in, in everything uh, related to traveling into Korea is mm. that you need a sponsor who is responsible for you from the time you set your foot in the country until you leave. Mm. Um, and I believe that uh, because, you know, uh, for example, uh, embassies, uh, they get their flight tickets, and I'm sure that they don't, don't go through KITC. Uh, and that is the reason why they have uh, airline offices uh, in Beijing, Shenyang, etc. Uh, so it's all the question of uh, having the right uh, documentation. But to answer your question in a nutshell, you cannot purchase your Air Korea flight tickets online. <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely in person. I would really like you to see after we after we chat. I would really like you to um, see if there is one in Hong Kong. Nip into the office and see if um, I mean not that there is any flights going in out of, in and out of North yep. Korea at the moment, but it would be great for you to attempt to um, to at least inquire about purchasing. One more thing, and the other thing is that they actually cut off from the international ticketing system. Oh, so that's interesting. So basically, one of the reasons why check-in for an Air Korea flight in Beijing or Shenyang is taking so long because basically what happens that the check-in agents have a printout list of the passengers with their names and probably with the also the e-ticket number is on that printout 
So basically they have to identify you on the list first and then put all your information into their system and then they can issue the boarding pass. It does take a long time. I always wondered why. So that is why it's taking forever. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for the, for those that do want to buy um, a plane ticket to Pyongyang or to North Korea, then um, as Greg was saying, you do have to go through a third party or a fourth party. You have to go through lots of alleyways. Um, and the easiest way is to go through a tour company like Corio Tours. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about Air Corio, because to be honest, I actually don't, you know, I've flown on it so many times, but I do not know much about Air Corio apart from the somewhat rude air hostesses and the weird Corio burger that, you know, is mystery meat Corio burger. Maybe you can give us some background on Air Corio as an airline, um, or just, you know, why, why does it have the status of the world's worst airline? And do you think it's justified? Uh, why does it happen? Because it sounds sexy that someone flew the burst airline. Uh, mm -hmm. Also because it has an aging feet, fleet, um, but the aging fleet is only used for domestic flights and to Vladivostok. If you fly from China and the majority of uh, Western tourists are flying from Beijing, uh, you're going to take uh, one of the new aircrafts. Uh, actually, I just double-checked if it's still true. Um, also, they state that, you know, Air Korea is banned from the EU because it's so uh, unsafe and stuff. But uh, I just double-checked what's the most up-to-date list of the European Air Union Air Safety List. And Air Korea is indeed banned from European airspace with the exception of two aircraft of type 2.F-204 with the tail number P632 and P633. Um, and those are the two aircrafts which are actually flying uh, into Beijing. And also there are two Antonovs which are uh, quite new. They were delivered to Air Korea uh, right off from the, um, um, the factory line. Um, they are not on the exception, but they are quite modern and uh, they are actually the youngest members of the Air Korea fleet. Um, and also to give you some uh, uh, context, uh, in 2009, I was flying in the US domestic from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Minneapolis with an aircraft uh, which was produced in 1969. So in the US, I was flying Delta Northwest with an aircraft which was 40 years old. Uh, the oldest Air Corio uh, aircraft I flew was uh, hmm, produced in the 1970s. So probably the same age as the American aircraft I flew. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, so so Again, if you are flying from China, you're going to fly uh, with one of the new aircrafts. Um, one of them was uh, delivered, uh, like both of, uh, was uh, one of them was delivered in 2007 to Air Korea, another one in 2010, and the one which was 
uh, delivered in 2007 was uh, uh, manufactured in 1993. So, you it's know, the same age as me. If you are flying some European airlines or even some airlines in America, you will, you know, fly with aircrafts roughly the same age as those Air Korean aircrafts. So there is this safety concern. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there was only uh, two incidents for Air Korea which uh, took lives. None of them were uh, scheduled passenger services and they happened centuries ago. I mean, I think it was in the 1980s when the Air Korea uh, aircraft, like a government uh, aircraft, uh, crashed in, in Africa. Oh. And that, that brings up an important point as well. I think, um, I mean, we've talked about flights from Beijing. Where else does Air Korea fly internationally? I mean, uh, when, they're, when they're operating, you know, at the moment they're not. But... So uh, just before COVID, uh, they were flying from Beijing, uh, Shenyang, and Vladivostok to Pyongyang uh, throughout the year. And also uh, in busier periods, they had flights from uh, Shanghai. And also in 2019, they had a couple of, I think like four flights in total from Macau. Oh. Did they used to have flights from Malaysia as well? Or did I make that up? They had flights from Kuala Lumpur. Mm also from uh, uh, Kuwait because there were quite a few guest workers, uh, North Korean guest workers working in Kuwait. But then uh, because of the sanctions, I think it was Thailand which first banned Air Korea from flying uh, in uh, Thai airspace uh, and then other countries as well. So they didn't uh, circumvent it and they had to cancel or uh, suspend the flight to Kuwait City. And obviously, uh, until the late 1990s, they were flying uh, to uh, former socialist countries or during state socialism, they were flying to like Prague, East Berlin, Moscow, uh, Sofia, um, but yeah. not since the 2000s. So those are the international flights. There's actually a lot more than I think you know, even now, I mean, we have Vladivostok, which is Russia, and then Shenyang and Beijing. Uh, those are like the standard ones. And I think even that would surprise people that, you know, there's actually multiple destinations. Um, but And there are, there are also like charter flights to oh, South yeah. Korea, mm -hmm. uh, to Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, to South Korea during the Sunshine Policy in the early 2000s. And in Japan until they decided to... Uh, uh, you know, be uh, go hard on the sanctions. Because don't forget that there is a massive North Korean community living in Japan. I mean, the actually, historically, most of them are from the southern part of the peninsula, but for various reasons, uh, they identify with uh, the North Korean Association in Japan. And as a result, they are North Korean subjects. And, and also you know, they have family members in North Korea because there was a ethnic return migration uh, from 1958, if I'm not mistaken, until the late 1980s. Uh, and uh, people who uh, stayed behind in Japan 
could visit their family members in uh, the DPRK. And you know what, you've just given me an excellent topic for me needing you back on this podcast because I would love to do an episode on the um, on the Chongyun, the, um, the people that Greg was just talking about, the um, Koreans in Japan. It would be um, maybe very really interesting for our listeners. So I um, need to have you back on for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite topics, actually. Yeah. So. <laughs> you prepare beforehand. All right. Um, so uh, that's all the international air choreo stuff. How about domestic? I think, I mean, I've taken, I think, two air choreo flights domestically. Um, you've probably taken a, a few more, I think. Um, well, I, 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 I took uh, four charter flights, like two pairs, like, uh, and then I did a real domestic flight, which was like a scheduled domestic flight. So, and, and and the domestic flights are the real treats for aviation gigs because that's when you can fly the old aircrafts. Okay, so go on. T- tell us about the a, a, a real domestic flight in in North Korea. Okay, so I was uh, going up to uh, Chongjin uh, in North Samyang Province, which is uh, in the northeastern part of the country, very close to the China Russia. Uh, Korea uh, border. Uh, I was going up uh, well, on a business trip basically uh, to see uh, what's possible there and how the hotel's doing and so on and so on. Uh, so I flew a scheduled air Korea flight from Pyongyang to Chongjin. Uh, it was during uh, June. So during the summer, they use mostly the Tupoyev 154. Um, for various reasons. Uh, so there's always a domestic audience who is flying, like Koreans, North Koreans are flying between Pyongyang and Chongjin. And also uh, in 2019 and the year before as well, there were so many Chinese tourists that uh, like more than thousand uh, Chinese tourists entered the country every day that they had to find various ways for them to be able to enter the country. And one of the ways was to enter uh, through uh, um, North Samyong province, then uh, near Wangjasan, then drive to Chongqing and then take the flight, the domestic scheduled flight down to Pyongyang. Um, so we were flying uh, a Tupoyev 154. I think those were produced in the 1970s, but I'm not 100% sure about it. Um, what was interesting that uh, since the domestic flights are departing after the international flights are gone, they will use the international terminal for departures. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we flew from the international terminal, so I was boarding uh, uh, domestic flight uh, through a jet bridge from Pyongyang airport. And then uh, we just flew up to uh, Chongjin, which took around like 50 minutes. Um, the, they had a newspaper and drink service. Uh, however, all the announcements, including the safety demonstration was only in Chinese and Korean. Mm-hmm. I hope that it was only because they were so confident about my Korean knowledge <laughs> that they didn't bother to, you know, have the English demonstration for one person who is... And right, rightly so, more, your Korean is very good. 
who is not Chinese or Korean. <laughs> um, but but it, it was a bit weird though that we only had it in Chinese and Korean and all the announcements in Chinese and Korean. Um, yeah, so but for me, the real treat was to fly a Tupoya 154, uh, which was also in the fleet of uh, the Hungarian National Airline, but I never had a chance to try it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, nice. There you go. Um, And so you mentioned that there are domestic flights, which is the one that you just took, but then also chartered flights. And I just wanted to mention for our listeners a little bit about where you can take a flight to in North Korea. And then maybe, um, Greg, you can let us know about the difference between this chartering and, and domestic. So basically, I mean, actually, Greg, you probably know more than me if, if I'm going to say now. So whereabouts in North Korea can you take a domestic flight? Or And when I say domestic, I'm including chartered flights and domestic flights, which we'll talk about in a minute. But where are the airports in North Korea? Where can you fly to? Pretty much all over the place. Uh, but so the, the two uh, scheduled domestic flights are between Pyongyang and Chongjin, and Pyongyang and Samjion. Samjion is where Pakistan is. Um, and most of the chartered flights are also going to those places. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we have to charter a flight and not take the domestic flight is just simply the reason behind is the schedule. There is not many things to do. I mean, actually in North Samyang province, you could spend enough time to be between a domestic and uh, the, between two domestic scheduled flights. Uh, but for uh, Samjion, um, not really, because you go up to Pakistan, you uh, uh, visit uh, uh, some of the revolutionary sites, and then that's it. Mm. Uh, so and that's... usually there is three nights between, yeah, three, three and four nights between two domestic flights. Uh, and also, um, there are only two tours which are going to Pakistan. One is the Liberation Day tour, when you go, go and come and go. And the other one is the um, the mega tour, and in that case you fly up to Samjion first when it's back to Sunnis, and then you fly from Samjion to Chongjin. So basically, you have this uh, triangle flight, which they don't have as a scheduled domestic flight. Uh, yeah. However, for the for the Liberation Day tour, and it took quite a lot uh, of. Uh, uh, negotiation with our local partner because I came up, came up with the idea of 
flying for the liberation day tour flying not from Pyongyang but from Wonsan. Uh, oh, you flew at the Kalma airport? Oh. Yes, yeah. Wow. So basically, I said, okay, so there's an airport, there is a new airport, a brand new airport, hardly ever used. We are in Wonsan. Why don't we fly from Wonsan instead of, you know, driving back four to six hours to Pyongyang, spending the night in Pyongyang, and then take the flight? So I came up with the idea that, okay, uh, we chartered a flight or the aircraft from Wonsan to Samjion, and then we fly back from Samjion to Pyongyang. And then, yeah, but you know, and then, okay, then, why, uh, so, yeah, you know, we are worried about the weather. That, you know, <laughs> nice excuse. And they worried about the weather because when Michael Palin was uh, filming in North Korea, they did the exactly same thing. And their flight was delayed for hours because of the fog. And they told me that, okay, but, you know, if something happens, what happened with uh, 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 Michael Palin, then your whole schedule will be, you know, uh, at, uh, will be jeopardized. And then, and like, until the aircraft took off from Wonsan, our manager was like, trying to convince me every single day <laughs> not to fly from Monsan, fly from uh, fly from Pyongyang. And he was calling Pyongyang airport like every single day to confirm the weather. <laughs> and, 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 and we had that, okay, and we, we agreed that, okay, if, if the day before Pyongyang airport says that the, the weather in Monsan is not looking good, then you will drive back to Pyongyang and just take the flight from Pyongyang. But then I said, okay, but if, if there's such a high chance of having fog at one San Carmel airport and our flight being canceled, then why on earth did you build an airport at such a inconvenient place weather-wise? <laughs> very, but, very good point. <laughs> but luckily, actually we had fog that morning as well, but it... it, it uh, it went, but no, no, I think, that, that, yeah, that it couldn't take off from Pyongyang because the weather in Pyongyang wasn't good that morning. Oh, really? Was this, yeah. Is that actually what happened? Uh, but then our flight was delayed for just one, one hour, so okay. it wasn't a huge drama. Amazing. And like, I guess from the plane, you must be able to see quite a lot of, I mean, especially if you're going from Wonsan or even Pyongyang to up to the north, uh, you're traveling for like, you know, how, how many kilometers is that? Like, it's it's a large proportion of the country and you must be able to see quite a bit. I mean, I guess if there's not so much fog, but you can see quite a bit of the country, right? They definitely mm. you wouldn't see otherwise. I mean, I remember flying, um, as as Greg was saying before, I took the, um, I did that triangle where I went from Pyongyang to Samjion and then Samjion to Chongjin. And I remember uh, we had such good weather. It was literally blue skies and you could, you could see right to the ground for pretty much all the time. It was incredible. Um, and for me, that's just one of those things where, you know, when people say like, oh, but it's all fake and stuff. I'm like, how do you, how do you fake so much of a country when you're flying over it? Um, uh, well, uh, they can avoid uh, certain areas. That's true. Over. 
That's very true. And to be honest, they, so they, it, they it, definitely it's, do. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not a straight line we take, and it takes longer than it's supposed to be. Right. And it's definitely because you know they, they want to avoid certain areas. Certain areas, yeah. The, no, the, yeah. the, the one, ones which have a particular interest on satellite images or Google Maps. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also when you land, because most of the domestic airports are also used for military use. So they don't allow to take you pictures and stuff and at the airport. However, I was flying to Guangzhou uh, in South Korea in January from Seoul. And Guangzhou airport is also a dual military slash civilian use airport. And as soon as we landed, uh, they asked us to close all the blinds oh. until we taxied all the way into the terminal. Uh, to the terminal building, to the jet bridge. And that's when they asked us to open the blinds again. Wow. So actually they do it uh, uh, better in, in the South because you know they basically make you not to be able to see anything. But in the North, they just tell you, okay, not, don't take any pictures. Mm. They, they, they somehow didn't realize that they, and maybe I'm giving tips now. I'm sorry if I mess up for future. <laughs> now good for the future but you know they just simply could direct us to close the blinds as they do it in south korea <laughs> don't tell them to do that <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it was really random for me maybe i was i just never noticed it before i was a bit naive because when i first got to taiwan i've been taking some domestic flights and i have to say like I mean, pretty much every domestic airport here is also used for military. Um, and the military are everywhere here in terms of like flights. So, you know, I live in Tainan and you see like military planes all the time in the sky. And then if you're near by to the airport, um, to Tainan Domestic Airport, you see military planes flying around all the time. And like, you, but they, they don't seem to bother about it. Like I was taking videos and pictures um at the airport and then i accidentally realized that in the background is like bunkers with like army mm. camo stuff on and and then i saw two military planes taxiing out as i was waiting to to go and no one really seemed to bother so i guess maybe things are more tense on the korean peninsula i don't know if you could compare those two things at the moment <laughs> Well, you can always compare them historically, like Taiwan, South Korea, and Vietnam. With Korea, China, and uh, Vietnam, there are quite a few unexplored uh, uh, parallels and similarities. That's I had a chat with Professor Lanko about that. Ah, I'll have to um, write that down on things that I need to talk to Greg about on the podcast. But, 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 but since you are in Taiwan, there's something you should definitely not overlook, that how much similarities are there between South Korea, Taiwan, and uh, cross strait and cross DMZ relations, and mm. so on and so forth. I don't That's, know if you... and, and the problem is that not many people are paying attention to it. And you also have the benefit of speaking both uh, Korean and Chinese. Yeah. I don't have the benefit of speaking Chinese. But your uh, Korean is a lot better than mine. So I can't really, you know. Uh, focus on that uh, you know gap in the academia hmm. interesting yeah maybe I could do some research into that bit um we haven't got much time left so maybe um maybe today is an air choreo themed one or a plane themed one because 
I don't want to I don't want to cram everything else in there's there's so much transport and stuff I mean um you know yeah I'll talk about that in a minute but um so what's maybe what's a um a North Korean airport like it sounds like a silly question but most of our listeners will never have been to a North Korean airport is, are there any differences between a North Korean airport both um you know ones that you know, both in internationally and domestic terminals. Are there any differences? Are there any similarities? Can you do all of your duty-free shopping at the North Korean airport? Well, uh, so you have to differentiate between two airports, which are also international, although one of them is really used for international purposes, Pyongyang and Wonsan Airport, and then the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and but before I go into that, I just because I was flying in and out of Hong Kong in August, where there was still quarantine in Hong Kong and very few flights. And when I was flying back to Seoul from Hong Kong in August, no, it was in September already. Uh, I was like, literally, there is more services in a domestic airport in North Korea, which looks like a train station, than. Hong Kong airport during COVID. No. That was literally, okay, I was flying past midnight, so there was only two flights, my flight to Seoul and another Cathay Pacific flight. But there was literally absolutely no, nothing open. Wow. <laughs> that no is customer. really surprising because I have been to those domestic airports up in Shamjion and Chongjin. And I mean, their services were limited to the point that like our tickets didn't had our names handwritten on them. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, I can't remember about Shamjion, but in, in uh, Chongjin, which is actually Orang Airport, uh, it's called Orang Airport, uh, in Chongjin, uh, they have like a cafe mm. uh, at the terminal. And it's functioning. The only problem that, you know, again, they ask you to change money for them. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we have Pyongyang Airport and Wonsan Airport. Those two airports are pretty much international standards in a sense that they have duty-free shops, restaurants, cafes, um, jet bridges, uh, proper check-in facilities with computers working, uh, proper security, um, just much smaller. Mm. And again, certain rules are not taken that seriously. For example, uh, the smoking area uh, is right in the coffee shop. So there's no yeah. like, and there's <laughs> just like, you know, there's a non-smoking sign on certain tables and then you can ask a uh, 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 an ashtray, to desks or, or tables. Um, I've forgotten about that. That's true. You can't but, but, just but, but, you smoke. Know, but, <laughs> yeah, but that used to be the play. That, 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 that used to be the, the 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 case in many European and Amer- I'm not sure about America, but in many European airports until the EU smoking laws uh, came into action. Like you could smoke yeah. in a, 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 a pub in Hungary until 2010 ish. Uh, so it's. And also don't forget that, as far as I know, one of the latest, if not the last country to ban smoking on an aircraft was Japan. Oh, actually doesn't surprise me. Um, So yeah, so so Pyongyang and Wonsan Airport are pretty much up to uh, international standards. It's just much smaller than 
other airports uh, they, outside North Korea, mm. and some of the rules are not taken that seriously. Uh, but that's the only difference. You 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 might think that you are in a domestic airport, probably in South Korea or uh, in the US, which yeah. serves very few flights. And then you have the rest of the country, like uh, Orang Airport, Samjion Airport. They are pretty much like just a landing, like a runway, a tarmac, and then a train station building. Yeah, that's a really accurate description. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a, it's very valid to note the massive differences between Pyongyang and, for example, Samjion, because Pyongyang feels like, as you were saying, Greg, it just feels like a normal airport. You know, I mean, not normal, but it feels like a very modern airport. It's beautiful inside. You know, you've got very squeaky, clean floors. You've got really nice toilets, um, you know, and <laughs> just, just such a normal thing. But in North Korea, you know, you don't necessarily have the best toilets everywhere you go. And, and you even have things i mean you have all the touristy souvenir stuff but you also have um have wi-fi as well right have you ever tried the wi-fi in the in the second floor i never tried the wi-fi to be honest so i've never i have never tried it because of two reasons so the first one is because when you are it's in the departures lounge in the second floor the international departures lounge and when i'm leaving north korea I do not need Wi-Fi because as soon as I land, I'm mm. going to get internet on my phone. Um, and usually I still have some, I mean, when we go into North Korea as as tour leaders um, or when we're working there, you know, usually we have a SIM card with Wi-Fi on, uh, with internet on. So we don't need it. But I did want to try it once. Um, so I went to the desk. It's a really complicated system. It's not easy. You have to first go to the Wi-Fi desk. I mean, um, yeah, you have to first go to... It's actually a room. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Really far back. Um, and it's like this telecoms communications room. And I guess that they must have previously used it for like phone services, like in the Yangakdo, where you can make mm. international calls. Um, so I guess that's what they used to do with it. Um, and now you go there to buy like a Wi-Fi credit. So it's just like a piece of paper. And then you just um, use that password. I guess it's like a one-time password thing. But it didn't work. I tried it. I bought it. Um, it didn't work. So uh, yeah. As Did they refund you? No, I. To but to be fair, I didn't ask for a refund. It's uh, you know it's one of those things where there's lots going on, and you're like, oh, I just wanted to try it anyway. And it's it's not okay. terribly expensive. Maybe a couple of dollars. With all due respect, let's send Simon in, and then we can figure out if they're going to give a refund or not. Yes. <laughs> He'll always make sure he's never wronged. <laughs> Actually, uh, maybe you could do a podcast with Simon on this kind of like challenging the system. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. How do you politely challenge North Korea? <laughs> do you have anything else like uh, aviation geek nerdiness that I mean, sometimes I might not know the questions to ask because I don't know the things. So like, is there any other interesting points about Air Korea or Air Korea's fleet or getting a flight in North Korea is is there any differences between getting a flight to North Korea than getting a flight to anywhere else in your experience? I mean, you've probably taken a lot of flights in your life. You document well, them on uh, Facebook. I love seeing them. <laughs> well, uh, yes and no. So 
I don't want to be sensational exactly how it's very different from, no, it isn't. But if you keep your eyes open, then you can see um, certain, uh, you know, behind the scene, although it's not so behind the scene uh, differences. First of all, the check-in process, as I pointed out, it's taking ages, A, because the Air Corio uh, system is cut off from the international ticketing system. So everything has to be, you know, put into the computer on the spot. And the second is that those North Koreans who are returning are usually returning after spending quite a few times uh, overseas. And they, you know, are taking back uh, TVs, uh, and, and quite a lot of stuff. So for them to check in all the stuff, again, takes a lot of time. But also you can see, like once, for example, I was uh, in the duty free shop at Beijing airport and there was a, a North Korean flying back to Pyongyang shopping in front of me. And then and, and, and the counter, he ended up paying over 800 US dollars for whiskey and tobacco mm. for cigarettes. Um, and he even had a, 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 a um, loyalty card <laughs> for that. Uh, <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> uh, for that uh, uh, um, beauty shop. And also you can see the Air Corio station manager and Air Corio staff pushing trolleys full of seven star cigarettes. Yes, I just wanted to see. <laughs> uh, just... Towards the gate. And then they, you know, they smuggle it into North Korea. Um, there, there was a, okay, no, I, I won't, I won't, uh, you know, badmouth the competitor, but like, okay, anyways. <laughs> you can, I actually go really into detail in one of the podcasts, not into detail, but like I badmouth them and name them in one of the episodes. So if you I want see. to, yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, <laughs> so and that's why I, I was, and it happens all the time. And of course, not, we don't know how cigarette gets into North Korea right now, but uh, uh, there were some misrepresentations of the fact or truth in one of uh, the uh, um, NK News articles about, uh, uh, and it's not NK News fault, it's the person who uh, gave insight into cigarettes in North, Western cigarettes in North Korea that uh, I, I can't remember what exactly he uh, said, but it was like, come on, like if you are flying Air Korea, you'd see all the time how cigarette gets into North Korea. Mm. Uh, and then also another thing is that uh, on the flight, uh, there are not only pilots and uh, uh, air hostesses or flight attendants, but also uh, other pilots who are in the cabin, or at least the bad, their badge says it's pilot. Um, um, what are they, they doing there? Just sit there. Oh, actually, once I was flying business, uh, when we took uh, the filming equipment in for uh, uh, Michael Palin and one of these uniformed staff members uh, was sitting also in business and I saw him doing uh, like uh, load sheets and uh, uh, like balancing like you know which, where, where they calculate the balancing of the aircraft. Oh that's interesting. 
So they might actually be pilots or engineers. Mm. And actually it would make sense because they, you know, because they don't have that many flights. It would make sense that one crew flies into Beijing and other fly, other crew flies mm. to uh, Pyongyang, you know, mm. just to you know to keep the staff uh, uh, in practice. Mm -hmm. um, but for example, on domestic flights, they do have uh, uh, people who probably work for uh, state security because mm. they are the ones who would tell our guide to tell me to tell <laughs> the tourists <laughs> that from this point on no photographies please oh yeah and what i'm really curious because i've never flown business class with air courier before what is flying air courier business like oh uh, you you sit uh, okay so you have access to the uh, uh lounge in, in in beijing airport which is good uh, and then um, you have more, uh, I think for business class, it's 40 kilograms check-in luggage from Beijing to Pyongyang and 30 kilograms from Pyongyang to Beijing. And again, because they want to accommodate North Koreans who are taking a lot of stuff back to, to uh, Korea. So it's a two-two configuration except instead of the three-three. So basically you are sitting in an armchair you get a welcome drink after boarding and a wet towel. Uh, they offer you alcohol, like beer as well. And you have a full uh, hot meal, a full, and, full meal service. And that would be uh, North Korean beer, I guess. Some Taedonggang. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was the Taedonggang, yes. Really? Do you get a newspaper as well? Yeah, but you get newspapers on economy as well. Yeah, true. Until they run out, though, I feel like sometimes they uh, they start giving it, like if you're a big group of foreigners, they start giving like one per row. They do get a mm. bit stingy by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, and sometimes they are reluctant to give you a Rodongsinmund if you're asking for that. Yeah, 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 exactly. One of those, it's only for Koreans' uh, argument. Yeah. Yeah, the Rodong Shimbun, for people that don't know, is the Korean language, North Korean newspaper, whereas foreigners on in the airplane, they will usually get given the English language, uh, North Korean, like foreign publication. Um, called Pyongyang Times, yeah. Called the or Pyongyang the Times. Or the DPRK Pictorial, yeah. Ah, thanks. A couple more questions, if you still have time. <laughs> yeah. Just as we're, as we're cropping up. Um. When we were chatting about cigarettes, people might be quite confused how you can get, you know, boxes and boxes of cigarettes or, you know, boxes and boxes of alcohol into North Korea. What is it's funny because most people don't think about this aspect when they think about what you can bring into North Korea. You know, mostly it's like, can I bring my laptop? Can I bring my phone? Can I bring this? Can I bring that? You know, you're not allowed to bring Bibles. You're not allowed to bring this kind of stuff. What about in terms of, you know, normal international law when it comes to customs? Like, what can you bring in in terms of alcohol volume and cigarettes and stuff like that? Is there anything that you need to look out for? Or No. So usually what I say uh, to my customers during the P2B thing that uh, when we talk about entry into the country, that uh, North Korean customs care a lot about things other countries don't and they don't care at all about things other countries do <laughs> that's a really good way to describe it <laughs> with the result that you can buy or bring in 
as much alcohol, cigarettes, perfumes as your finances allows um, and as much as you can carry. So yeah. there's absolutely no limit on these products. And they won't, you know, they won't, oh, okay, okay, I never go overboard. I think the maximum I took in was like five cartons of cigarettes. Uh, but they never, they, okay, there wasn't like a customs office. You do have anything to declare except for your, you know, phone and stuff. They never cared about my cigarette and I didn't have to pay for my text. And, and you know, it, it also goes through the, the X-ray machine. So they definitely see. Hmm. I think they're missing a trick there because they could be confiscating these items and then disappearing that into the system. <laughs> yeah, we are giving so many tips to... I know. <laughs> when we go back, it'll be a different place for all of those North Koreans listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, Thank North you for all your recommendations. We improved our country. <laughs> North Koreans abroad, though, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of them um, or, you know, there are at least some North Koreans that are stocking up on everything and taking it back to to um, to North Korea. Do you often see North Koreans on on the flight? I mean, this time around, we're not going to get around to talking about the train so much. We'll have to do that next time. But um, on the flight, do you see a lot of North Koreans and have you had any interesting interactions with them, if, if at all? I find that they are more friendly on the train, but maybe that's just because yeah. sometimes you have no, to no. sleep next to them and you're drinking with them and stuff. No, that's true. Yeah, uh, there are always North Koreans on the flight. There is, I haven't flown Air Korea, and there will, no, I'm lying, uh, maybe at least uh, once, but it was during, I'm not sure if that flight was supposed to happen. Like, I'm, I'm, I was, Actually, quite surprised it wasn't cancelled last minute because that was such a low load factor. Maybe the flight back was more busy. Um, but no, no, there are always North Koreans uh, on uh, Air Korea. Um, and honestly, I never had any conversation uh, because I'm not the person who would start conversation. And I think as a start, I might come off as a cold person maybe you could say a lot more about that I, was... I wouldn't say that at all maybe <laughs> uh, we, we talked about how was uh, how unfriendly or ignorant I was when uh, you were still working for the other company that's uh, true you were cold to me <laughs> anyways uh, so I'm not the person who would initiate a conversation with strangers and probably I don't look like one uh, with whom other people would. However, once a flight attendant, it was a quite empty flight. Um, actually, that's when I was flying into Pyongyang for my language course, for uh, to live in Pyongyang, in quotation marks, for, a, for a, a month. And then suddenly the flight attendant just sat next to me. Oh. Um, Saying that she 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 sees me all the time on the on the flight. Uh, what's my name? What I'm Aww. doing? Uh, uh, it was quite sweet. Yeah. And um, no, like some people would say that you know you know she was you know trying to get information from me and it's like but that's like 
what they don't need a flight attendant to get information on me so <laughs> true yeah what information is she gonna get what do you you know <laughs> what, 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 yeah what what my colleagues don't know already or what won't you know but they won't figure out in one month why aren't they um yeah. so it was quite sweet um and, and, and also to have the courage to sit next to me uh it's quite unusual quite unusual yeah and uh uh, it's also unusual that uh, they would uh, respond to me in Korean if I respond in Korean. Sometimes mm -hmm. I have to ask the flight attendants if they really speak Korean because they just like look at me as if I was speaking Hungarian when I talk to them in Korean. Uh, and also, and also when I was flying into Pyongyang for the first time as a tourist, I was seated at the uh, uh, emergency exit row. Mm. And that's where you are faced, like you are seated uh, facing one of the flight attendants. Mm. And she also started a conversation. Uh, first, uh, to the passenger sitting next to me, okay, where are you from? And he said, from the US. And then that was an awkward reaction because then she didn't know how to handle this information. <laughs> <laughs> and then she but then she started to, uh, and you were like the approach to Pyongyang airport was over the city actually. So she was uh, uh, pointing out certain things. And uh, uh, also she asked us how we like the water on the flight because it's, oh. you know, it's produced in the DPRK. And then there were some propagandistic elements in her conversation, but still she started a conversation and, you know, in a sense, she wanted us to learn more about her country even before we got there. So it was nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Actually, there's one thing we shouldn't forget about when we talk about Air Korea, and that's when we cross the Amnok River. Okay, I actually don't know. Go on. So when you cross from uh, uh, China into North Korea, Mm -hmm. over the Amnokgang, the Amnok River, uh, they, will announce, they will make an announcement that now we are flying over the Amnok River uh, and this is where uh, uh, President Kim Il-sung uh, led through the victorious uh, Liberation Army to, you know, to, and that's where he returned to uh, uh, Korea and, you know, to get rid of the Japanese uh, colonizers. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, I remember that announcement, actually. That is a very big difference between Air Korea and other airlines, I think. <laughs> you don't get that kind of announcement in other airlines. Yeah. Um, and finally, I, I don't want to keep you too long, but when, you, when we fly into North Korea, there's actually another airline, right? It's not actually just Air Korea that flies into North Korea. There is also Air China. Yes. Right? And I think um, what, what, so some people who've been to North Korea with us or with another company, um, you know, will know that because they've been booked onto the Air China flight or the Air Korea flight. What, what is the difference? Like, why are some people on the Air China flight and some people on the Air Korea flight? And what's it like flying an international airline into North Korea? Is there any big difference in that? Nothing, nothing at all. They just don't tell you off for taking pictures. 
<laughs> True. I don't think I've ever been on Air China into North Korea, which is really yes, annoying you, because I. You were. You were. Oh, was exactly. I? Which one was I? The the one we were just talking about, 2019 oh. April Thursday tour. You were the one who were in charge of the Air China, oh. uh, force. <laughs> Damn you and your attention to detail. Because <laughs> I, I mean, maybe at that point I wasn't taking so many videos and photos because I then remember, um, maybe my next few flights were then Air Korea because the air hostess started to recognize me trying to take photos so many times that like one time I got onto the flight and she looked at me and like was like no photos <laughs> she remembered me from the last time um but I guess the the reason why some people are put on air china and some on air Korea that's just the day of the week right uh so we don't really use air china we only use air china if someone requests to fly air china because they have concerns over air Korea interestingly and i'm not sure what's the actually once i was talking about it with the with the uh, hong kong people who are working in the airline industry they are air traffic controllers that most of the most of the times if there is a request not to fly air korea but use air china which is again for various reasons it's interesting that a hong kong person would demand to fly air china um, is hong kong people okay so to be frank, I only had customers from Hong Kong who requested not to fly Air Korea out of uh, um, safety concerns. So basically, uh, Korea Tours uses Air Korea as a default, and we only use Air China if someone requests to fly Air China, or uh, if their dates, yeah, sometimes dates, okay, you, you, you can't fly Air Korea on that day because there's no Air Korea flight, but there's an Air China flight or if Air Korea is overbooked. So I guess it's less of a, a, a love for Air China and more of a concern for Air Korea is why someone would request to fly Air China. Yeah. No, fair enough. Okay, do you have any any more train uh, airplane geek, aviation geek nerdiness to, to um, share with us before we part ways? Mm, not really, but they can check the blog on our website or the air Korea uh, travel guide. Yes, on, we do have a great, yeah, we uh, have a, go on. And, and you have the uh, history uh, of the uh, air Korea, which is a bit similar to the former national Hungarian Airlines history because Hungarian Airlines was started after the war as a joint venture with Soviet Union. So was uh, air Korea. Yeah, okay. we. I mean, we didn't even get into the history and into the nitty gritty details of uh, of Air Corio. So for for listeners, you can head over to the um, Corio Tours blog. I will put that um, link in the show notes, so you can visit that and find out much more about Air Corio. Um, Greg, I'm going to have to get you back uh, for another time to talk about everything else. You know, we we touched very briefly at trains at the start. Um, we didn't really get into trains. We didn't get into the domestic trains, tram, trolleybus, um, cycling through North Korea. We didn't get to any of that. So I'm going to have to have to steal you again at some point. But for now, I will say a massive thank you from me and all the listeners. And um, and yeah, I'll speak to you probably very soon. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to be back on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, thank you so much and see you later. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.